0: In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the kids up through the ninth grade please come forward. Bum, bum, bum. let me see hey. hey hey Jesse welcome bud so what are we going to talk about today let me ask you a question you love your mom yeah. you love your mom you love your dad yeah. yeah you love your if you have one you don't brother you don't brother sisters I don't think you do do you
1: Yeah you love that? Yes.
0: You love your friends? Mm -hmm. You love ice cream? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You got excited about that one, didn't you? You love God? You love God? Yeah. Uh You like you love God, Jeremy? Uh Uh-huh. You do? do Who? Who do you love more? Your mommy, your daddy, or God, or whom? Mommy, huh? God? (laughs) You love who more? God. God? God? Why? Why do we love God more? Because he died for us. Because he took our sins away away from from us. Yeah. And then God went to heaven, and we don't see him anymore, right? Do we? Do we see God ever? Do we know where God is? Is where is God? In heaven. Aha! Where? Everywhere. So. You know, one of the problems I think with with our world today is everybody, not everybody, but most everybody is saying, you know, it's all about me. I want to be what I want to be. It's about me and there's no one who can tell me different. We hear that in roundabout ways every single day. And so we place ourselves above the master. Who is our master? God. God. And so... A lot of people in our world, including some of us probably, oftentimes place ourselves above our master. But the gospel just says we are not above our master. We're below the master. And we do what the master tells us. And so, you know, I, I was born Stan and I'm going to stay Stan and I'm going to be who I am because God created me. But I'm going to keep trying to be more and more like God all my life with a few years I have left over. God's gonna. I'm gonna keep try, trying to be just like God, because God's my master and God loves me more than I can even begin to understand what love is all about. You know, God loves you more than you can even know. God loves you more than your mom and dad loves you. Yeah, I eat cake. You what? Cake. He eats cake. Yesterday was our Dad's birthday. Oh, it was Dad's birthday, so you had cake yesterday. Birthday. It was your daddy's birthday, yes, I know. Yeah, we blessed him last week. Hmm? It's, yes. Do you love God? Yeah, I know you do. Where was I? Yeah. Cake. No, that wasn't it. That was what he was talking about. Oh God, okay. So so God God is. It's all about God, it's not about me. It's not about you, it's all about God. And as long as we continue walking toward God, always, all of our life, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay because we keep our eyes on God. And when we keep our eyes on God, we take our eyes more off of ourselves because it's not all about me, it's about God. Remember that, okay? Okay have to cut this short because we're making two people monks over here. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit after the sermon. Okay? So anyway, glad you all came up. And if you want to get a packet to color, you can get one from Mr. Doremus over here, okay? Bring me some cake next time, okay? Oh, man. you almost finished. Yeah, are you almost finished it? Thank you. So as I said at the 7.30 service, we did have some new people at 7.30. We've got several new people here at this service today too. Um, Jesse and Nick, Pepper, Keith, who else? Deborah, uh, all of you. I only say this because, and I hate doing this because I like to get straight into the sermon. (laughs) But the congregation for 30 years now has insisted that I tell a joke before this sermon begins And so they stay awake until after the joke. But there was a businessman who had a very, very tiring day on the road as a salesperson. He checked into the hotel, and because he was concerned that the restaurant at the hotel might close early, he left his luggage at the front desk and he went immediately to dinner. And after a leisurely dinner, he reclaimed his luggage and realized that he didn't remember what the hotel clerk had, what room he had been assigned. And so he goes to the desk, and he asks the clerk on duty, Hi, my name is Henry Davis. Can you please tell me what room I am in? And the clerk said, Certainly, sir. You are in the lobby. (laughs) Okay, let's try this one. We are in the age of technology, the computer and all that brings much ease and expertise to, to churches and other places who have to do a lot of publications. Um, some of the churches, we use the same um, basic format each week. We take an old bulletin and we just bring it in on the computer and we change the dates and the propers and all the lessons and all the things that need to be changed, but we use the same prototype. Uh, but it can be tricky from time to time there's one church I know about they use the same format for funeral services as do we a lot of times and when a person dies and the funeral service is being prepared the bulletin the uh, secretary simply uses the word search and replace process and changes the name of the deceased from the previous service to the name of the deceased who has just passed away very simple process So when Edna died, the pastor instructed the secretary to prepare the service bulletin for her by following the above-mentioned process. The last person who died was Mary. So the secretary instructed the computer to change all Marys to Edna's because Edna was the person who was now dead. And so it happened. Imagine the surprise of the congregation when they, they recited the Apostles' Creed and read, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Edna. <laughs> on to the sermon. There is a cartoon in a religious magazine shows a picture of a man with a blue coat on and a red hat on, a few days' worth of facial hair. This man is dragging his feet and has a long shadow behind him. And the shadow seems to know the man's true feelings because the shadow depicts the man's fingers digging a furrow into the ground as though the shadow is being dragged against its will. And the caption read, John has decided to follow Jesus. And there are times in our Christian lives when we know just how John feels. We say we want to follow Jesus, but deep inside of us, we know that oftentimes we have to be dragged, kicking, screaming all the way. Perhaps that's because being a disciple of Jesus forces us to constantly choose between what is appealing in this world and what is appalling in this world. And oftentimes we choose the appealing or the appalling back and forth this morning we begin with the gospel itself except we're going to the synoptic gospel of Luke to kind of show the difference between that and today's reading the good news the gospel is about fills our hearts with tremendous happiness and joy I hope you read it and heard it when it was being read the good news which brings us the peace of God Listen to the words of Jesus as as it is seen in the synoptic gospel of Luke. Whoever comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. My heart just goes pitter pat every time I hear that. It's so wonderful, so happy, so joyful. Whoever does not hate Mother, father, brother, sister, siblings, children. That's not good news, is it? Or is it? Hate is a very strong word. It almost hurts our ears when we hear that word. And when our Lord tells us that we must hate our own family and even our own life, the shock, it goes to the very center of our being. What does that mean? This doesn't sound like the gospel of love that we hear so much about. So what is Jesus saying? Well, let's pretend we're going back to school and the class we're taking is Discipleship 101. And the first thing we learn in class is that we have to go back to the language Jesus was speaking, which in all likelihood was the Aramaic language, a conversational form of Hebrew, yes, Greek was prevalent in that day, but for the Jewish people, Aramaic was probably more prevalent for their conversations. And the second thing we learn is that the statement to hate one's family and oneself does not carry the same emotional weight in Aramaic as it does in our English language. In Aramaic, it simply means to love something else, less to love something else less in our reading from matthew's gospel this morning it is expressed in a more positive form when jesus says whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me so in discipleship 101 we learn that to be a disciple of jesus means that we are to love god more than we love anything or anyone else so the bell rings we move to our second class discipleship 102 and the teacher begins the class by asking the question how then should we become disciples how would you answer that question and i ask you this because i know that there are are many of us in this room who entered the sacred order of discipleship as an infant. And we were baptized at a time before we were even aware of our own being or before we even knew how to speak the name Jesus. Someone stood at the baptismal font in the house of God and called out your name to be baptized. In the presence of a worshiping congregation, your parents and your godparents made a promise, a vow on your behalf to God about your life and about your spiritual development. And as wonderful as that was, there comes not only a time but many, many, many times in our lives when we need to stand up and claim for ourselves this sacred order of discipleship. Whether we be 12 years old, confirmation time or 72 years old and to answer the teacher's question how do we become disciples at baptism as adults or infants we become connected to Christ we become connected to the family of God through an invisible umbilical cord we were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit we died To sin when the water was poured over our heads, we received new life in Christ Jesus and we were sealed with the oil of chrism and marked as Christ's own forever. I mean, even St. Paul says in our epistle reading today, do you know, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too we might walk in newness of life. And you know what? Although many things change in our lives as we age, our baptismal covenant remains unchanged forever. We, we may marry, we may have children, we may get wrinkles, we may get old. Some of us may have expanded waistlines as we get older. But the baptismal covenant between the baptized person and God remains firm throughout eternity. We are breathing, living examples of the love of God, the gift of God to an unloving world. It is through baptism that we become disciples of Christ. Now that we have identified how we become disciples we go to discipleship class 103. And after the bell rings the first thing the professor asks us is now that we have discovered that we are disciples of Jesus Christ what do we do with that? You and I were both aware that There are many answers to that question, probably as many answers to that question as there are people in this room, in this church today. But one common answer to this question is that we share the good news of Jesus Christ. Why is it that we as committed Christians find it so difficult to tell others about our Savior? Are we too afraid to let our light shine before men? Are we too sophisticated to go out into the world to make disciples of all nations? Or is it that we don't really believe in the power of God to change people's lives? Whatever the reasons, few Christians are willing and able to share their faith with others, which is one of the reasons why I am so very excited about this new challenge coming up for us as a congregation at the end of the summer and into the fall, the word one-to-one will allow each and every one of us in a non-threatening manner to share our faith with one other person as we study the gospel of John together. But more about that beginning on Wednesday night, July the 19th. There's a story about a missionary, Milton Cunningham, who shares about a time when he was convicted of his own failure to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He had just settled in for his flight from Atlanta to Dallas and next to him was a young girl with Down syndrome. And she turned to Milton and in all of her innocence, she asked, Mr. did you brush your teeth this morning? A little awkwardly, Milton answered, well, yes, I did. I brushed my teeth this morning. And the little girl responded, good, because that's what you're supposed to do. Her next question was, mister, do you smoke? This one was a little easier for Milton. When he said no, the little girl answered with approval, good, because smoking will make you die. The third question was even easier to answer. The young girl asked, mister, do you love Jesus? Milton answered with confidence, well, yes, I do. I do love Jesus. She replied, good, because we're all supposed to love Jesus. And just then another man settled into the seat beside Milton, and he seemed intent on reading his magazine he had just bought. And immediately the girl urged Milton to ask the new fellow if he had brushed his teeth that morning And Milton wasn't about to disturb disturb the stranger, but the girl wouldn't leave him alone. So finally he gave in. He said, Mr., I don't mean to bother you, but my friend here wants me to ask you, did you brush your teeth this morning? And When the man noticed the the girl, he realized that her question was innocent enough. And he answered that yes, he had indeed brushed his teeth that morning. Then with a sinking feeling, Milton realized where this was going. Next, the girl urged him to ask the stranger if he smoked. Milton and the man went through the second question. And sure enough, the girl wanted Milton to ask the third question, did this man love Jesus? And Milton protested that the question was too personal, that he just wouldn't be comfortable asking it. Now remember, Milton Cunningham is a missionary. But something inside of him made him uncomfortable about sharing the good news with his fellow passenger. But the young girl persisted, and so Milton said, now she wants to know if you love Jesus. At this, the man's face began to darken a little bit. He began to talk about his desire to know God. He was at a point in his life when he was searching for God, searching for meaning, searching for purpose in life but he didn't know where to turn. So Milton Cunningham explained to the man how to have a relationship with God and how to find salvation through Jesus Christ. He was able to witness to a person in deep need of knowing God. And it all started with that simple question asked by a child with simple but sincere motives. All of this story reminds me of Beth Moore's story she tells about being in an airport and the Lord convicting her, telling her to go and brush an elderly man's hair who is sitting in a wheelchair just down the aisle from her. And I won't tell the story, in fact, I'll ask Beth to stand up someday and tell the story it's a great story of listening to the voice of God, even if it doesn't make sense. So the point is she, we, we listen to the voice of God, and we do what God tells us to do. It is amazing what God can do with anyone who is simply available to walk in Christ's footsteps, available to take a courageous stand when necessary. And available to share their faith when the opportunity arises. It's such a simple thing, really. All we have to do is say, when God calls us, is to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Send me, Lord. Use me. However you want to use me. Great crowds were following Jesus that day. And he turned around and he said to them, anyone who wants to be my follower must love me far more than he does his own father or mother or wife or children or brothers or sisters. Yes, more than his own life. Otherwise, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus was asking, are you available? Can I count on you? Are you ready to do your part?